0: Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain Podcast with Social Audie. That's me, Carol Jean. And today, my incredible, beautiful, and super, super talented guest is Nancy Pearsall from Texas. Nancy has a fabulous, fabulous Instagram account. You are going to want to go follow it. It's Enigma Creative. Make sure you check the show notes below and get that link and contact information to meet and greet Nancy. Nancy, I'm so excited you are here. We have been planning this for a couple of weeks and I am so excited to finally get here.
1: Thank you so much, I'm super excited. Thank you so much for having me, Carol Jean, it is a pleasure.
0: Well, I am super excited that we are here together because you have so many beautiful insights, thoughts, and just the way that you see the world and the way that you put it into words way you write is just such a gift and a blessing and I know in our community we have some incredibly talented writers Nancy you are way up there in that group in those talented writers for sure
1: Thank Nancy you.
0: I want you to tell the story if you don't mind sharing with everybody how you got the title and the name Enigma Creative on your Instagram account because it's really cool and I love it
1: sure so um it was probably, um, hmm, probably like December of the very end of December 2019, um, January 2020. I had uh, decided to start a new Instagram account, one specifically dedicated to my uh, visual art and poetry because I am a creative person, and I had always wondered sort of why, you know, where did, where did the creativity come from and To me, it was kind of an enigma. And so I decided to start this account called enigma.creative. And then I I started slowly uploading some of my art to the account. Um, But I was at the time in the middle of um, assessing whether or not I could be autistic. And I received my official diagnosis um, right as the account had kind of gone live. And so at that point... um, because this was um, such um, a big event in my life, receiving this identity, you know, learning that I'm autistic. Um, the account became one for more like autism education and uh, advocacy. And um, the creativity kind of took a back seat and I've since started an actual, like an other art, ded- art dedicated account. But yes, now the the name stuck. And so now people know me as Enigma Creative.
0: Well, I I would have to beg to differ with you not having creative things on there, because the way that you write, just the photographs that you share, they are incredibly creative and artistic in their presentation, for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. It is a beautifully curated account, and I love how you share sort of where you are, what you're thinking, and sort of your journey and your evolution in this unfolding as you're you're going through these layers of well hey I am xyz age because I don't always drop everybody's age this year (laughs) (laughs) and as ladies we don't share it (laughs) but you know and and in that that is such a beautiful thing because you know there's somebody else that's on that same journey right now and Mm -hmm. they're reading what you're posting And they're nodding their head and they're going, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Um, Somebody else is experiencing this too. And I love that. So Nancy, share with us your autism story. What has your journey been? I mean, starting in that, how did you get to the diagnosis part of, hmm, this is on my radar? Sure. Um, So I guess I I feel like in
1: order, I should probably give a little backstory. um, And I will kind of um, go... uh, Far back and and it's okay, I don't mind divulging my age, but I appreciate your discretion. Um, I was 44 when I received my official diagnosis. I'm 45 now. Um, to me, age is just a number. Um, but I knew ever since I was a very young child that I was different, especially in groups. I always sensed my difference very, very keenly. Um, at one point when I was about eight years old, um, my family moved. And I had to change schools, and I had a lot of trouble making new friends. And so um, I started um, experiencing very extreme anxiety, um, you know, um, OCD type tendencies, cleaning my bedroom. Um, Every morning before I would walk to the bus stop, I would break out in hives on my face from being so anxious. As far as being a student in school, I did really well in English and art, but I couldn't, you know, I can barely do math to save my life. (laughs) Um, And when I became a teenager, I started struggling uh, with substance use disorder, which is, you know, something that there's a big stigma around, but I feel like there really shouldn't be. Um, And
0: do you mind sharing just for a minute as a side note, Nancy, what is that?
1: Sure. So, well, for, well, so it is chemical dependency um, and uh, a lot of people, a lot of neurodiverse people um, will turn to using substances to kind of dampen or numb a lot of the sensory overload and overwhelm um, the kind of racing thoughts, sometimes very intrusive thoughts that we don't want that are very unpleasant. Um, and also a lot of us um, you know experience especially if we're later identified in life like much later identified, we tend to accumulate years and years of trauma from not knowing that we are neurodiverse and we feel like we are failed uh, broken versions of neurotypical people and so
0: um, that's kind of what that's about. <clears throat> and well, so I don't think that I could have explained it more beautifully or accurately than you did. Thank you. Think that that's one of the biggest things in our late identified community that we all sort of come to the table with, or these, mm. you know, I'm 46, soon to be 47 and I was 39 when I found out that I was autistic and I was like, Oh, it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And you come to the table with these decades of trauma
1: mm-hmm.
0: You really do. And you don't realize that that's what it is. And, you know, I turned to alcohol in a lot of ways in social situations in high school and college that probably didn't put me in very safe situations and some pretty bad things happened. So that added to the trauma, but it was something to lessen the anxiety to sort of control the racing thoughts in my head to, you know, allow me to quote unquote, be normal in a situation because that was the only way I could handle it. And to dampen some of those sensory things, I didn't realize were a sensory Mm -hmm. thing going on. So I think that's a really great thing to share. Thank you, Nina. You're very welcome. It's very
1: important that people understand
0: it is not mm, to, to
1: experience that is in no way a character flaw or a character defect or a moral shortcoming. Um, And, you know, with alcohol too, there is a physical dependency issue that is like, has its basis in chemistry. So I, it's very important
0: that people understand that. Um, and That's so a I, big part of our journey as late identified people is just mm-hmm. having, giving ourselves some, some grace, some space and some forgiveness because we were doing the best we could do with what we knew. And now we we're learning new things about ourselves and our awareness is growing daily. Mm-hmm. So from this point forward, you know, we're making these intentional choices and we're not, we're no longer living a life where we're constantly, re- constantly reactionary. I felt like for decades, I was constantly reactionary to everything, including myself. And when I learned I was autistic, it was like all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I- I've got some choices and some options and some control. And I mm-hmm. then it was like, all of a sudden there's this shift and you can say, you know what? I'm not gonna feel ashamed. I'm not gonna feel guilty. I'm not gonna feel bad. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing to let that go because those feelings, those emotions and those ideas and beliefs, they don't serve me anymore because that's not me. Exactly. Beautifully
1: said. I couldn't have said it better. Um, Yes. (laughs) So um, as I, as I kind of grew up in in my early twenties, I began um, seeking psychiatric help for myself. And one doctor told me, he thought that I could probably have ADHD, but um, when he you know, put me on the medications for that, they were stimulants. Well, I have an incredible, incredibly strong anxiety disorder. So those medications didn't work for me. And I just sort of forgot about that diagnosis for a long time, blew it off. And for a long time, my diagnoses were um, generalized anxiety disorder and depression, clinical depression. Because I had been dissociating um, for many, many years, um, starting, you know, as a teenager. So, <clears throat> as time moved on, I, when well, you know, moved into my thirties, um, I started working with a different psychiatrist who um, diagnosed me as having bipolar disorder because I had told him about some experiences that I were frightening me that I didn't understand, and. I certainly didn't know that they were um, sensory experiences and that sensory processing disorder was even a thing. Um, I was told that I was probably experiencing psychosis. And so I was put on antipsychotics and mood stabilizers for a decade, which negatively impacted my physical health, um, contributing toward a weight gain of hundred pounds eventually. And so um, around 2015, you know, I'm still just trying to find out. I'm thinking, you know, I'm taking these medications. And then at one point I I lost my job and I lost my health insurance. And I was terrified that I could no longer take my bipolar medication. Well, I ran out of my prescription. I couldn't afford it anymore. And I felt fine. I didn't feel any different. I noticed that I would go down these, like, I called them shame spirals before I even knew that that was a kind of a term. I was calling it that myself. I I would get sucked down into these, like I felt like the black pit of hell, Um, these certain events or interactions with people would set me off. But all in all, I'm a very even keel person, very, very even keel. I don't really have a temper per se, Um, unless I'm experiencing, you know, I'm extremely tired or something or I'm having a sensory sensitivity. So I read about something called a highly sensitive person And I also read about an INFJ personality. Well, I tested, you know, the Myers-Briggs. I'm an INFJ. And so I thought, well, that's a very rare personality type in the world, supposedly. Maybe that's why I feel have always felt so different. And maybe I'm a highly sensitive person. And maybe that's why I've always felt so different. But I talked with plenty of INFJ personalities and people who identified as highly sensitive. And we still didn't line up like, our experiences, I still was on. felt like I was on the outside looking in, still looking for an answer. And then one day, um, kind of uh, early fall 2019, I received an email um, from an old friend and it was just a link to a video by the uh, famous um, psychiatrist or psychologist out of Australia, Tony Atwood. And the video was on how autism spectrum disorder could present in um, those assigned female at birth. And I watched the video and my jaw dropped open, hit the floor. I almost fell out of my chair, 44 years old, and all the lights in my head were just going off. And I thought, but wait a minute. And, And I'm not proud that I thought this way. I just, I didn't know any better. I knew nothing about autism. And I thought, but Rain Man was like the only I, you know, the only my only um, exposure because I don't have kids. I don't have friends who have kids. I don't I don't live in the world where autism exists, or I didn't. Um, (laughs) um, You're not alone. That's
0: how a lot of us come to it. Yeah. So it's it's not. Don't feel bad about it. It's it's one of those things. There's like, that's one of the things I, I talk about in our group and why I started Mind Your Autistic Brain is that we all come to our autism knowledge about ourselves and the awareness about ourselves and where we come to that is a very different place. And we all kind of start in that. This is sort of the language that I know. This is sort of what I kind of know. And then we move and we grow from there. And that's why it's so important to really be gentle, be kind, be patient, be understanding and nurturing Mm -hmm. to a person that's just coming to this same awareness that we found. And don't, don't dog pile them because they use, you know, high functioning or Asperger's or something like that. That's all they know right now. And it's our yeah. job as a community to elevate everyone and to create this vernacular that we're sharing, but we can't do that if what we're doing is it's cutting someone out. Who's mm-hmm. just
1: starting. I totally agree. And thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I started trying to um, educate myself on autism. So, you know, at this point, I had not been assessed yet. I spent probably a couple of months doing my own research at home, watching videos on YouTube, reading articles and um, trying to learn all about, you know, how autism could present in different types of people. And once I, you know, and there are, of course, many um, assessments that are online that people can take, and I consistently scored very high. And until I finally told my husband, I said, I, I really, I feel like I need to get assessed. Um, I feel like I know that I am, but I, after everything that I've been through, I, I need to hear it from somebody else. I just, I need some validation and, you know, maybe... And then I felt, you know, kind of weak, like, well, maybe I shouldn't need that. But, you know, whatever. It's where I was. It's where I was. And so I went and I had, I'll probably write actually a post on this first assessment at some point, but um, it was about as bad as one could expect. I had read online that those who are, you know, I say assigned female at birth because I actually... um, consider myself to be kind of non-binary, um, but I, I had read that those, you know, who are female or present as female can run into a lot of trouble trying to get assessments because so many psychologists still are, are running on criteria, you know, from the DSM from, I don't know what, like 1947 or something, I'm kidding of course, but really outdated information. So um, I uh, prepared, I, I found a place, um, Of course, immediately I discovered the multiple barriers that that exist to getting an assessment. First of all, finding anybody that that can assess an adult is very hard. Insurance never covers it, it's very expensive. Um, If the person is female or, you know, again, there are like gender biases within the assessments that are not really cool, but there are different things that, you know, should be taken into consideration. And so I prepared for this assessment uh, for about almost, I don't know, it was over three months. I had to wait to be seen and um, I had the assessment. It was like the worst case scenario. Um, I was asked ridiculous questions (laughs) Um, and I was told that I could not possibly be autistic for a number of reasons that would probably be very triggering to people if I, (laughs) any listeners right now. Um, There's a lot of people uh, going, I already know what you're going to say. Yeah, there, I mean, just anything and everything from you, uh, you know, in my opinion, this was the person assessing me saying this, um, you put your, your, you apply cosmetics really well, you manage to land a husband, you um, are able to work full time, Um, you were able to walk up the stairs to my office, you can't possibly be autistic, I mean... It was it was things like I asked her about Asperger's because I was using the term at the time. And I said, well, what about Asperger's? And she said, it doesn't exist. And you can go chase a label if you want to. Um, She didn't get it at all. So I was traumatized. I told her she was wrong. and I walked out of her office and
0: (laughs) wait a minute. Pause right there. Good for you. Thank you. For you. Because That took a lot of courage. And I can't say that a lot of us would probably like me personally. I don't know that I would do that. I would get home and get really, I get to the car and be mad as a wet hen. But I love it that you did it in the moment. Good for you, Nancy. Well, thank you. I didn't, as I was crying,
1: I, I looked her in the eye and I said, she said, why are you crying? And I said, because you're wrong. Um, and that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, but even harder was to find the strength to keep going, to find somebody else after all that preparation. Um, and, but I found somebody and she was willing to work with me on, you know, her fee. She, you know, she adjusted the fee down from like over 1200 or something to 600 out of pocket. And, um, the process took about a month. Um, anyway, so when I, received my diagnosis. I, um, of course, by that time I was just, again, like I knew it in my bones, but I kind of, I really wanted to hear it. And, um, when she told me, you know, I was there with my husband holding his hand on the couch and I just started crying. And when we got back to our car, after we left her office, I just, I kept crying. And I, and he was like, Johnny, my husband was like, why are you crying? And I said, because I've been so mean to myself all my life. I've been so mean to myself and there was no reason for any of that. And other people have been so mean to me. Um, So it's been, you know, a mixture of uh, relief, astonishment, um, all of the stages of grieving that you can imagine, depression, rage, uh, bargaining. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because you, you don't get those years back. Um, you don't, I feel like I lost my teens, my twenties, my thirties, all those opportunities. Um, but you know, I, I do ultimately believe that, uh, everything works out the way it does for a reason.
0: Yeah. So Nancy, I want to ask you if you don't mind sharing, because I think that a lot of people come to that point where they've, they've started the process to try and get an official answer. They want that validation of somebody else telling us, you know, and Mm -hmm. a lot of people have hit that block where the person in the, in the seat that can tell us and give us the, that, that validation we're looking for doesn't give it Mm -hmm. as they've got these preconceived notions and they say, no, this couldn't possibly be you. You're wrong. And you know, in your bones, I mean, you know, just without a doubt, this is me. What was it? Because I feel like that's a really important thing to sort of share. What was it that you were thinking or feeling? What was it that kept you going? What was it that you were asking or thinking or telling yourself after that moment to say, you know what, I'm going to keep looking. What was your driver, your motivator in that Nancy? Thank you. That's a great question. Um,
1: Gosh, I, I guess because by that point I had just Read so much about read so much about it on my own, and watched so many videos about autism on my own. And um, I noticed that you posted one of the things, one of the tools that I used to to prepare for my assessments was this unofficial list of like uh, traits and, and females that was written by Samantha Craft. And you have it on the Mind Your Autistic Brain Facebook group, which I love that you have that there. So, I took that there and being the kind of uh, cool nerd that I am, um, haha, uh, copied and pasted that into a Word document and like went through and highlighted all of the traits that were listed in this document that she wrote and then underneath it like in a different color so I could see what I was writing, wrote like how I thought that this particular trait that she had written down applied to me. And then that would get me thinking of a dozen other instances or experiences that were along the same lines.
0: Yeah. That, and that is a really, I'll make sure that I link that down in the show notes and I'll, I'll have the, the article available. It is really, it was one of the things that when I read it, I was like, Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you, you, there's that one thing that prompts, you know, a dozen other things that, you start connecting all of these little dots, you know, it's like this, mm-hmm. the string theory, you know, I, I look like the FBI board, you know, all together yes. in this giant web, you know, and it's like, it makes sense in my brain. And it's such a wonderful um, article. And it's, and it's actually on the art of autism is the website that, that hosted. Mm. And it's, they actually, they started the actually autistic hashtag, which I love. <laughs> really? Little, it really brings us together. Yeah.
1: It, yeah, that
0: is, it's just,
1: it's been amazing. And so, um, I mean, it's ultimately learning this about myself has been the most empowering experience. Most people wouldn't think so because, you know, there's the, the stigma with the label of, oh, autism. and And I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But, you know, once you realize that autism, first of all, is completely separate from intelligence, it's It's a type of brain. It is uh, comparing, so we've got, you know, neurotypicals and we've got um, neurodivergent people and it's apples and oranges. You wouldn't call, you know, if uh, an autistic person isn't orange, you wouldn't call an orange a defective apple. You wouldn't call, you know, you wouldn't say that it has apple deficiency syndrome. It, it's a different, it's a completely different thing. Um, I've also heard the analogy of like, <clears throat> we run, uh, we have a different operating system. I love that too. Um, because really it's it's not just our brains that are different, it's, it's our entire nervous system. And there are a lot of like um, comorbid kind of conditions that do come into, well, that a lot of people who are on the spectrum can also have. Um, and we, we literally experience and process reality differently from neurotypical people. Um, and that sort of, yeah, I'm sorry. Did you want to, <laughs> I'm just keep going. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> going
0: with it because I'm over here on my end, nodding my head the whole time going, yes, 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 because so, that's really a big, yeah. thing. I think that, you know, it was one of the things that it's such a gift. As we start to learn more about ourselves as as an autistic in the world, and seeing that it's not just because we, especially you know the dive in research part of us, we go, mm-hmm. okay, it's not just my brain, it's not just how I mm-hmm. think, it's not just my sensory sensitivities, it's the whole thing, it's mm-hmm. the body, the you know. Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I have pots. You know, there's all of these other things. I mean, you know, as women, all all you women out there, you know how the period feels. You know how the PMS feels. All the hormones, all the the cramps, all the stuff that I remember as a young woman, as a young girl, going, God, how do how do people handle this? I'm in so much pain. I mean, it's like this. It hurts for the sheet to touch my skin the week before I have a period. And you're thinking this is nuts. How this this possible? Mm-hmm. And then you, you get it to be an adult autistic woman. You talk to other autistic females and they're like, oh yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> you know? yes. that makes sense. It's the heightened nervous system sensitivity, <clears throat> but you don't start to tie all this together until you get your answer. Yeah. You're an orange. You're not an apple. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, there were, there are tiny little things like little hints that, you know, Before I even received the email from my old friend tipping me off, I was like, something is just really unusual. And I I felt like bizarre about the way that I experienced the world. Like I I, uh, would be like walking from my car up into my front door and the rain, if it was raining, might be hitting part of my arm, you know, my bare arm that didn't have a jacket on it or something. And I would become instantly furious, furious, and so angry and irritable. And I was like, well, what's that about it? time that an ambulance would go by, not only would I have to cover my ears, I would feel like I was about to throw up because the sound was so piercing. Um, you know, I've, I've heard, uh, a neuro rebel, Krista Holman's talk about fluorescent lighting and how it uh, gives her migraines. Well, same here. Um, You know, just all kinds of things. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind of, it's, it's kind of incredible.
0: Um, Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question because several of us here on the podcast have, have admitted to some of our things. You don't have to, but (laughs) a few of us, have uh, been proprietors and and procurators of certain things. I have unscrewed light bulbs in places because the light bulb homes and it was driving me crazy. Uh, My friend Carly has taken batteries out of the clocks that were ticking too loud in a doctor's office. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So can you think of anything you might have done? (laughs) Like my friend Jason took somebody's bat and hit it outside of a window because if they hit that ball one more time down that hallway, he was going to break it over somebody. So we hit oh, it. Oh, wow.
1: That is hilarious. Um, yeah, you know, I'm sure there have got to be dozens of things. Nothing exactly like that is coming to mind, but you mentioned kind of like the the sound You're of just a not statement. a big social deviant
0: like the rest of us. <laughs> well, no, I, I definitely have been. Um, Well, that's all my friends. Unfortunately, the tech gremlins that live in my laptop ate the rest of the interview. Nancy has agreed to come back and visit again and be another guest on another episode because we had some incredible conversations. We talked about some things that I definitely do not want you to miss and want to share with you. Thank you so much for joining Nancy and I today. And remember, we come together as autistics in this late identified community to elevate and raise the consciousness, the awareness and our cause, our lives, our experiences and our voices. If you have gone and tried to get your answer and gone to get that external validation and you've been denied that answer that you deserve, know that you don't have to give up. Don't stop seeking. And as a community, as late-identified autistics, we're coming together to address this, to lift up our voices, to share our experiences, and to be the leaders in our lives and in our cause as we go forward so that the next person who goes to get their answer and get that external validation isn't told, you can't possibly be autistic because... The future of autism is bright. And my friend Hunter Hansen did a fantastic YouTube video about how he looks at and sees the future of autism. Take a few minutes and go watch it. I'm going to put it in the link in the show notes below. And I've started a new segment this year in 2021 called Ask Hey Carol Jean, where you can ask your questions. Send them to my email address with the subject line, Hey Carol Jean, and ask me your question and I'll be sure to answer it in my weekly Instagram live and on the YouTube channel, Mind Your Autistic Brain. You may have a burning question that you have been dying to know the answer to or to go a little bit deeper. And I'm so happy to pull together any resources and insight or knowledge that I have to share with you. As we come together, we are elevating and lifting and raising each and every one of us. But we have to do it together. This year in 2021, Everything that I'm doing is about better together and collaboration because we've been alone for decades, feeling like no one understood us, and we're finally here together. We found our people. We found other people who've had experiences and similar things that have happened in their past. And as we come together, we're doing this together, and we're sharing so that we each are reaching our very best selves. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being here. You are a blessing each and every day in my life. Have a wonderful week, my friend. See you soon.